You're listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. For more information, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk. Yeah, we're in Mark chapter 4. Uh, from Mark chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that gathered round him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore of the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables, and in his teaching said, Listen, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places, where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so that they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up, grew, and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. When he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving, and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer says the word. Some people are like seeds along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires of for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop, sometimes some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. So one of the great joys of being a Christian is when you see other people become a Christian and grow in their faith. I had the privilege of working with children and young people for 13 years. My job was to proclaim the gospel and to teach them God's word. Yesterday, I got to go to a wedding of one of these young people from Nutsford. We'll just call him Jack. He's now in his early 20s and he got married to a lovely Christian girl down in Kent. We'll call her Helen. It was a brilliant day. It was a great joy seeing this annoying 11-year-old boy turn into a man of God. A man who loves Jesus and wants to serve Jesus with all his life. You see, Jack had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home where his parents faithfully obeyed God by telling him about Jesus, praying for his conversion and bringing him to church on a Sunday. Jack came along to the weekly youth group and the midweek Bible group. Jack would be a regular at the Keswick Convention another weekend's away. Jack read the Bible in a year with his youth leaders and would meet up for a weekly chat in Costa 
other coffee shops are available. And when Jack went off to university, he quickly found a Bible-believing church where he heard more about Jesus and where he served faithfully in the Sunday school. Now, Jack would be first to admit there's been some bumps along the road, but God has used those bumps to make him more like Jesus. And the prayer for Jack and Helen is they continue to fix their eyes on Jesus, repent of sin, and follow Christ as their Lord and Saviour. Now, unfortunately, for every Jack who's gone strong in their relationship with Jesus, there's others who've sadly fallen away. Some from Christian homes with godly parents like Jack's, others from homes where Jesus is only mentioned as a swear word. And I'm sure in your life you can think of the same types of people, people who fill you with great joy because of how they've grown in their Christian faith, while others will bring great despair because sadly they've rejected Christ for now. And still others who, despite all your best efforts, have never shown any interest in Jesus whatsoever. So what is going on? Why do people have different reactions to God's word? Well, this morning Jesus is going to get to the heart of the matter as we're going to see two things. Firstly, why does the heart matter? And secondly, what does this all mean for evangelism? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray expectantly for you to speak to us this morning. And we pray as we hear it, we would accept it. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I knew the youth were going to be in here today, so there are some young people references. So if you're of a certain age, this might fly over you. But there's something called Instagram. And on it, a fella called Cristiano Ronaldo is the most popular person. 400 million followers. Now, if Jesus had Instagram back in this day, when we're reading Mark 4, he'd be more popular than Ronaldo. Why? Because in Mark, up to in now Mark chapter 4, we've heard the, the voice of God declare Jesus is his son, who he loves and is pleased with. We've seen a spirit of God descend down onto Jesus. We've seen Jesus heal people, uh, a paralytic. We've, he's healed lepers. Last week we heard about Jesus healing someone with a withered hand. Jesus has forgiven sins. Jesus has even taught about what the Sabbath is all about. And right at the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus says, I have come to bring in a kingdom, so repent and believe the good news. Now it's no wonder, is it, that the crowds are coming to Jesus. People are starting to notice him. And at the end of Mark chapter 3, we're told that there's four groups of people who are around Jesus. There's the big crowd. And then there's his disciples. There's the religious leaders. And then there's the family. All of them want a piece of Jesus. And so it comes as no surprise that as the start of Mark 4... Jesus starts to talk about the kingdom of God. He's going to talk about what the kingdom of God is like and who is in the kingdom of God. Jesus is going to start teaching with the parable of the sower, which we just had read. But before we get into it, we just need to have a, a quick chat about parables themselves. Now, if you've grew up in church or if you've been in church for a period of time, 
You've probably heard someone say this about parables. A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And that's helpful, but we need to add a little bit to it. You see, Jesus was the master teacher. He often communicated using images or situations that people were familiar with. So in this case, he's telling a parable about farming. Parables would often be provocative and surprising. Think of the Good Samaritan. Parables would often draw attention to what the kingdom of God is like and what the king, Jesus himself, is like. And parables normally have a single truth in them. We're not to analyse every detail in a parable. Now this is hard for us, especially for our young people. Here's another young person reference. Because young people are told, especially when the latest Marvel trailer comes out, that they're to look for the Easter eggs in all the trailers. Now, Easter eggs aren't those chocolate things we eat at Easter. An Easter egg is a hidden message or detail the director has put in the trailer to whet the appetite of the viewer so they can kind of get clues to who's in the film, what's going to happen, stuff like this. Now, we're not meant to do that with parables. If you try and look at all the details in a parable, you'll often just be confused. For example, in the parable of the sower, we're not meant to think that three out of four people receive the word of God. And out of those three people, two are going to fall away. Rather, it's the big truths that Jesus wants us to know. So in Mark chapter 4, the parable of the sower, or the parable of the soils which is probably a better um, heading for it, there's one big truth, and here's the big truth if you're writing it down. The big truth is this, the Word of God sees a a variety of responses to it depending on the heart of a person. So the Word of God sees a variety of responses depending on the heart of a person, which leads to point number one. Why does the heart matter? Now, I love it when Jesus explains the parables for us because it makes my job as a preacher really easy. Jesus starts off in verses 3 to 8 telling this parable about a farmer who sows the seed. Some seed lands on the path, is taken away by the birds. Some seed lands on rocky places with shallow soil, and as it grows, it's withered by the hot sun. Some seed falls in soil with thorns, And when the seed grows, the thorns choke it, and they die. And finally, some seed fell in good soil. It grew and produced a great crop. And then Jesus, in verses 14 to 20, he explains that what he's talking about is what happens when people hear the word of God. So Jesus is going to help us understand why people have various responses to God's word. It's all to do with the type of soil or heart that word meets. Jesus tells us that there's three types of heart which will not be part of the kingdom and one type of heart that will. And it's really interesting when you look at the context of where this happens again. Jesus' teaching here is an exact mirror of the responses we find at the end of chapter 3. So you've got the crowd, the religious leaders, and Jesus' own family rejecting him. And then you've got the disciples, which he has called, following him as the king of the kingdom. 
So in blind date style, and this isn't a reference for the young people, in blind date style, let me contestant number one. And as Scylla would say, I was trying to do a Scylla Black impression, but it just came out like brummy. What, what's your name? What's your name? And where are you from? So, firstly, that was still a black, by the way, in case you didn't notice. Uh, firstly, we're going to meet Harry Hardhart. Now, I intentionally have come up with names which nobody normally who comes here is called these names. If you're a visitor today and your name's Harry, welcome. <laughs> So Harry Hardhart comes from verses 14 to 15. So let's have a look. It says, The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. Now you know this person. You've heard the same message in church. You've watched the same Christianity Explored videos. You've gave a really clear explanation of the gospel over coffee. You taught a really good lesson in Sunday school. You had a fantastic time with your kids at Bible time. And yet, there was nothing. Zilch, zip, nada. Maybe you've been witnessing to the same person for years. And they've been apathetic, indifferent, maybe hostile to spiritual things. You've prayed for that person and you've seen nothing. Jesus says that person's heart is like a hard path. As soon as the word is sown, it is taken away. I wonder if that is you this morning. I wonder if you've come along this morning, but you've not, I'm not going to engage what, with what's being said. Maybe you think what's being said is beneath you. Maybe this is fairy tales. Maybe this is superstitious nonsense. Maybe you keep all this Jesus talk pushed down because you don't want to do any self-assessment. Maybe you're scared of what you might discover or people might discover about you. Well, if you are Harry Hardhard this morning, can I ask you with all respect and love to be open to what you're hearing? Engage with what you're hearing. Let the word of God examine you this morning. This is a safe space. If you look around you, you're surrounded by people who've messed up in big, big ways. This is not a museum for saints. This is a hospital for sinners. The Christian message is this, that you are more wicked and horrible than you would ever dare admit but you are more loved and expect, uh, accepted than you ever dare hope. Are you Harry Hardhart this morning? Can I encourage you to come to Christ? Well, maybe that's not you. Maybe you're the second person we see in our passage, Rosy Rocky Heart, verse 16 to 17. It says, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. I remember we took one of our children's friends to the Keswick Convention. Our children were in primary school and we took one of their friends. And the friend had a great time, went to all the kids' clubs, loved it. And at the end of the week, when one of the leaders said, who wants to become a Christian? 
He put his hand up. I do. I do. Amazing. Until we found his mum up, who was living back in where we used to live, and explained what had happened. Oh, it's great news. Your boy has become a Christian. What does that mean? Well, it means that he's now trusted in Jesus as his Lord and Saviour. Uh, oh, dear. I knew I shouldn't have let him go away with you pesky Christians. Now, unfortunately, when the boy went back home, that initial joy was short-lived. Now, I want to make it clear, I am not knocking the Keswick Conventions or other conventions, because I've seen myself how these weeks away can be really helpful for the faith of a person. But what we must be careful about is when people make decisions without thinking through the cost. Jesus says in Luke 14, doesn't he, that before you build a wall, before you go out to war, count the cost. Make sure you're ready for it. So without counting the cost, especially when persecution or suffering comes, a person's going to struggle following Jesus. Because it's hard following Jesus. Jesus doesn't promise us an easy life. He says, if it happened to me, the master... You can expect it to happen to the servants as well. Now you might be in a season right now where if you're being honest, you're disappointed with God. Maybe you're in a season at the minute where you feel that Jesus has let you down in some way. You're not sure if you can carry on following Jesus because it's just too hard. You can't actually remember the last time you felt any joy as a Christian. If that's you today, I want you to know again that you're not alone. You're not alone whatsoever. Anyone who's been a believer in Jesus for any amount of time has gone through the same. And that's not to minimize any pain people are experiencing. It's just to say that the pain does not last forever. God is good and God is with us always. There's a famous poem called Footprints, which I find helpful in times like this. It goes, One night I dreamed a dream, as I was walking along the beach with my Lord. Across the dark sky flashed scenes from my life. For each scene I noticed two sets of footprints in the sand, one belonging to me and one to my Lord. After the last scene of my life flashed before me, I looked back at the footprints in the sand. I noticed that at many times along the path of my life, especially at the very lowest and saddest times, there was only one set of footprints. This really troubled me, so I asked the Lord about it. Lord, you said once I decided to follow you, you'd walk with me all the way. But I noticed that during the saddest and most troublesome times of my life, there is only one set of footprints. I don't understand why, When I needed you most, you would leave me. He whispered, my precious child, I love you and will never leave you. Never ever during your trials and testings. When you saw only one set of footprints, it was then that I carried you. If you're like rosy, rocky heart this morning, let Jesus carry you over those rocks. Jesus knows what it's like to face pain and loss and abandonment and betrayal. He knows what it is to be falsely accused and misunderstood. He knows what it is to be rejected. Do not turn away from the one with strong arms 
who can carry you through the pain of this world? Are you rosy, rocky hearts? Can I encourage you? Come to Christ. You might think, none of them are applicable to me. But what about this? Travis Thorny Heart. We meet him in verses 11 to 19. It says, Still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desire for other things come and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now many of us here have no problem with this saying. I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to forgive me my sins and rose again to give me everlasting life. Can I have an amen? Amen. 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 Here's the bit we struggle with. Jesus Christ is Lord of my life. Hudson Taylor is famously quoted as saying, Christ is either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. Now, Travis Thornyheart is the greatest warning for us today. Too many people use the term Christian, sorry, too many people who use the term Christian want to make a partial commitment to Christ. That is not Christianity. We will all agree with the arguments for Christianity. We'll agree with the claims that Christ is the Son of God. He's the only way to salvation. But what we won't do is surrender all our life to Jesus. You see, when Jesus becomes our Lord, we have to surrender everything to him. Our money, our time, our possessions, our relationship, our career, our kids, our mouth, our mind, our body, everything. Are we going to do this perfectly all the time? No. The key is that when that tension comes between the stuff of this world and our Savior, which one are we going to ultimately submit to? For example, you might hear a sermon on money, but when you hear a sermon on money, does your heart sink? Do you get angry with the preacher because they have the audacity to tell me what I should do with my money? Or do you get really excited because it's an opportunity to give? Or when God says that any kind of sexual conduct should be kept in a marriage between a man and a woman, do you find yourself in your head justifying your actions by suggesting, oh no, no, yeah, but Jesus' teaching on this is really outdated now. And actually what Jesus wants, he wants my happiness, he wants me to be my true authentic self. Or do you repent and strive to live a life of celibacy? Or, and this is the one I normally get most pushback on, when your children's club changes its time to Sundays at 10.30, do you defensively explain that, but this is the only sport that they're ever into? Or do you sit your children down and go to Numbers 24.15 and explain But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Are you like Travis Thornyheart? If you are, can I encourage you with the words of C.T. Studd? If Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then no sacrifice be too great for me to make for him. When those times of tension comes between the stuff of this world and our Saviour, 
Will we submit to Jesus' lordship? Remember, if Jesus be God who died for you, then there's no sacrifice too great we can make for him. Are you like Travis Thornyheart? Can I encourage you? Come to Jesus. And then finally, you might think it's all doom and gloom. But no, we find Glenda Goodhart. Any Glenders here today? I didn't think so. One, okay, maybe. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Verse 20. Look at Glenda Goodhart. Others, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Again, Jesus makes it really easy for us here. Jesus tells us that a good heart hears the word and accepts it. Now again, this is easier said than done because some of Jesus' words are not easy to accept. So what does this look like? Well, Glenda Goodhart keeps holding on to Jesus' words in the face of pain and persecution. Jesus' words of comfort, of peace and hope become the pillow she lies her head on of a night. Glenda Goodhart sees her sinful cravings, her worries about this life, her desire for wealth in light of God's word. She She will repent of sin. She will look to obey Jesus in all areas of her life, knowing that she will do this imperfectly. Her desire is to trust Jesus as Lord and not her feelings. Glenda Goodhart is an active listener. She will act on what she hears. She will sow the seed with other people. She will ask questions if she doesn't understand. She will go to a home group and study the word with like-minded Christians. She will regularly go to church praying God would transform her through the preaching of the word and the power of the spirit. Glenda Goodhart delights in her saviour, longing to be like him and eager to be with him. Friends, are you ready to hear God's word and accept it? Is this the day, is this the morning when you come to trust in Christ as your saviour and Lord? If you are a Christian, then will you, with all serious right now, ask God to show you what he wants you to do as a result of this sermon? How are you going to hear this word? How are you going to accept it this morning? Are you a Glenda Goodhart? Well, if you are, let me encourage you, stay with Jesus. Now, you might be thinking, oh, well, that's all well and good, Chris. Uh, what heart am I? What does this have to do with evangelism? Well, I'm glad you asked because we're going to so, so, so. Three quick points. The young people are doing really, really well. But if you want to get a biscuit, you need to know these last three points, guys. Okay, so here we go. We need to sow the word widely. The farmer doesn't get a little bit of seed and kind of just put one seed here, one seed there, one seed over there. He gets lots of seed and he throws it and he's generous with it. I remember the story about Hudson Taylor, the great missionary to China. He was back from China. He was trying to drum up support in churches around the country. So he would go and tell them about his experiences. And one story he told was he was on a boat and he was talking to a Chinese man. He was sharing the gospel with them. 
And next minute, a wave came or something happened and the Chinese man slipped and he fell overboard into the sea and he was drowning. And Hudson Taylor noticed that by the guy who was drowning was a Chinese fishing boat. So he shouted over to the fishing boat, excuse me, can you save this man? He's drowning. Cast your nets. And the fisherman said, no, it's, it's not convenient for us. Hudson Taylor said, please, look, he's drowning. He's going to die. I will give you money. How much money have you got? Well, I can't just do it now. I'll pay you later. No, we want to know. I've got $14. By the time they cast the net in, the fella had drowned. He looked out and he could see all the people in the church shaking their heads. What awful Chinese fishermen they must be. There is a life there and they were more interested in money in their own convenience than saving that life. Hudson Taylor knew what they were thinking and he said, how dare you think like that? We have people dying around us each day and we refuse to cast the net of the gospel to those who are dying We refuse to speak about Jesus because often it's inconvenient for us. Now you might say, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to sow the seed. What is the seed? Well, actually, in our next two home groups, that's what we're going to look at. What the seed is and how we can share the seed. So again, I'd encourage you to plug into home groups. But also, we can do this, we can sow the seed in other ways. Okay, we've got Passion for Life coming up. We've got all of these flyers. The evangelism team are going to be giving you 10 or so flyers to take away. Sow that seed with other people, neighbours, friends, work colleagues, family, whoever it is. Give them a flyer. You're not saying anything. You're just saying, would you like to come to this event? Again, we can sow the seed doing all of these things. But what else do we learn here? Not only are we to sow, sow, sow. But we're to be realistic, not fatalistic. We're nearly finished, bro. Nearly finished. Now, when you sow God's word, you have to be realistic how people are going to respond. Jesus, in his kindness, he gives us this parable so our hearts would not be discouraged when we sow the word. Look at verses 10 to 12. This is classed as one of Jesus' hardest sayings. And it is really, really hard. So let's read it together. So he's just told them the parable of the sower. He's not explained it yet. This comes like sandwiched in between. So he says, when he was alone, the twelve and the others around him asked him about parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. Now that secret is that the kingdom is going to grow by people sowing the seed, by people proclaiming the gospel. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables, so that they may be ever seeing, but never perceiving, ever hearing, but never understanding. Otherwise, they may turn and be forgiven. Told it was a hard saying. Now, what's happening here? Well, Jesus is quoting Isaiah 6. And again, it's the context is key. In light of what's happened at the end of chapter 3, The crowd, the religious leaders, his own family members in chapter 3 have rejected him. 
So he's saying that this prophecy in Isaiah 6, it's being fulfilled in me today. So that is if Jesus, the son of God, the greatest Bible teacher, receives negative reaction for sowing his word, then friends, we can, we've got to be prepared to face the same ourselves. However, and this is the key, we're realistic, but we're not fatalistic because we don't give up hope. You see, remember, some of those people in the crowds, they would come and follow him. Remember, some of those religious leaders, people like Nicodemus, would submit to Christ's lordship. Remember, some of his family members who rejected him, come and lay down their life for him, his half-brother James. So the point is this, we don't know the heart of people, but we know the power of God's word and the work of his spirit. So we remain faithful in sowing and praying for people. And then finally, you'll be glad. Finally, the young people will say, finally, my belly's making noises. It's be assured the kingdom is growing. Do you notice what happens in verse 20? The end of the parable, it reassures us that those who hear the word, those who accept it, will produce a crop for God. So as we sow the word, more people will accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. The king is growing his kingdom, and friends, we get to be part of that work. It's exciting times. And we've got this whole month of March, this Passion for Life month, to get in there, to sow and sow and sow. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this parable. Thank you for the truth that as we sow the seed, there's going to be various responses to it. And yet we have got the assurance that you are growing your kingdom. Father, give us a great heart for the lost, we pray. I pray for anyone in today who identifies themselves as Harry Hardheart, as Rosie Rocky Heart, as Travis Thorny Heart, Father, that they would get on their knees, that they would ask for forgiveness of sins, they would trust that on the cross Jesus takes away their sin, he rises three days later to give eternal life. And I pray for all of us in issues of lordship, those areas that we're struggling to submit to your lordship, Jesus, I pray that you would help us. I pray that we'd have good hearts, that produce a crop for you. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You have been listening to the podcast from Emmanuel Community Church. To find out more about us, go to emmanuelcc.co.uk.